Hey babes, this is Tandem Orgasms, your go-to podcast on life coaching, owning your divine feminine power, and the far out new age world of spirituality with your hosts, Caitlin Englert and Jen Morgan. Ladies, it's time to step into a new kind of confidence, one where you stop searching for and instead claim the balance you crave. Each week, we will bring you wisdom, personal experiences, and ridiculous banter that will have you laughing while also providing you with useful tools to transform your life from blah to turn on to your climactic inner diva. Six, seven, seven, seven. Five, six, seven, eight. Who Let's do see. we appreciate? Ourselves, ourselves, <laughs> ourselves, ourselves, and ourselves. Just me against the world. Break it down. You move this too far away from me. I like Sorry. your remix. It's not just you against the world. It's you and me. It's my fierce independent, which is my coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> but Fuck least... everyone else. I don't need no one. I got myself and that's all I need. But I'm aware of it. And bringing it back. Reeling it back we in. We need a video of all this hand gesturing. <laughs> the movement and the movement. And bringing it back and reeling it in like I'm pulling a rope to myself. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Okay. I can't even. My okay. brain hurts today. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back to Tandem Orgasm. So we're in episode seven now, and today we are going to talk about trauma responses in the body, a little bit about somatic healing and kind of cellular level responses and um, intuition and how that, um, how to find that, right? Because I think if you are somebody who's maybe a beginner to myself or a beginner to Kate, you might be um, experiencing your intuition for the first time and um, or questioning like, what is my intuition and how do I start to navigate my world using that? And so we can talk about that a little bit today because it is a great tool when you start to use it to bring you insight, but it can be a little bit tough in the beginning when you're first learning what Well, yeah, what and so often we use our minds instead of our bodies as a compass to guide us through situations, challenges, life experiences, and we try to think our way through these changes. And the thought is important because we have to become aware to something we want to make a change about in our life. But then the problem is the thought goes too far. And we it's just... overthinking. Who's a chronic overthinker? This guy. This girl right <laughs> here. Hey. Yeah. It's really, it's really, um, it can be very distracting, right? In, instead of just simply making a choice that we know feels aligned, we can overthink it or let the mind completely take over the, the whole situation. Well, I'm a chronic overthinker. Like my thoughts and my mind just never stop moving. And so what ends up happening is I basically suffocate myself Mm. or I put all these judgments on myself about what I should be feeling, where I should be, why am I like this? And it just keeps snowballing and cycling into this vicious cycle because I use too much of my mind and I don't tap into, okay, what is my body trying to say to me? Mm -hmm. How can I use my body as a guide to help navigate whatever this situation is. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to add on to that, you know, like this kind of spiraling and this kind of process that we do, 
and everybody everybody does that to some extent because the mind wants to interpret the world that we're experiencing right mm-hmm. and so it's uh it's a beneficial thing because we need the interpretation but at the same time most people are are stronger in that area um and more based in that category than they are with being present or to actually feel the body in the experience. Um, and so I just want to bring uh, a tool into the light. If you've never read the book, The Untethered Soul, I think that's a really, really good resource for all of you guys out there because it starts to explain this interesting dynamic of you know, what the mind is, is, is trying to do with um, what you're experiencing within your world. It's constantly narrating. Okay. And you can notice this. Um, I don't, I don't remember if this is a reference from the book or just one that I use within my coaching, but um, you know, if you stop and you just like look outside the window, you know, you're driving your car or you're sitting in your house and you look out the window and you just notice what, whatever it is that you notice, you'll notice that you are actually narrating what you're seeing instead of just seeing it and it being there. So it, I'll be driving, right? And I see a, a bird and I'm like, oh man, there's a blue bird there. Oh wow, that bird's really blue. I wonder what that bird does I wonder what that, There you go. <laughs> I wonder, did that bird get a worm this morning, right? And so you're going to narrate, it's to try to interpret your world, but that when it goes into an excessive category can take you away from your present moment in which your intuition and your body is trying to actually give you feedback in mm-hmm. how to navigate. So you're missing the navigation and you're going into the interpretation. Ooh, that's a good nugget quote. I'm going to be like, wow, I'm good. I don't Pat know where that just came mat. from, but it came out and I loved it. I was in my moment and pat myself on the back and, and move forward. <laughs> well, in talking about trauma, a lot of trauma survivors, I mean, we've all experienced trauma, but there's different levels of what type of trauma. The soul ex- actually comes here to experience trauma in order to learn some of the lessons. So yes, everyone. Oh, interesting. Yes. I didn't know that. It's like, um, I, you know, you come here and you have a set, I don't know, you can say it like a set manual. Like these are the things we came here to experience this time, right? And sometimes, not all the time, but most souls actually will um choose drama to experience to to get to the lesson because it's actually quicker so Mm. think about it that way so if you've experienced trauma you might look at it and judge it but maybe consider for a moment that you were signed up for that the whole time and that it was going to get you to your lesson quicker so i just want to riff on that but now back to you well and i think we minimize our experiences sometimes and we think of trauma as these experiences of, you know, rape or abuse or domestic violence, mm-hmm. like these extreme cases, which are our trauma, our trauma, yeah. very significant trauma. But then there's these other levels of trauma too, you know, yeah. birth, more subtle. Post, yeah, more, more subtle, subtle that we, and so when I say to clients, you know, that what their experience was, was a trauma experience. I think they kind of like, yeah, it takes them by surprise. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, that, that wasn't trauma. Yeah. It's really funny because I have the same exact response from people in my, as my clients. Well, when I tell them it's not the experience itself that is trauma. It's what you attach to it. It's your response. That's what trauma is. It's an emotional response to that situation. Yeah. So Um, you know, it definitely takes people by surprise, but also what I was wanting to get at is Mm -hmm. with the mind, it's a way of protecting ourselves 
from feeling that trauma because the trauma resides in our body. So it's like a coping mechanism that we're using. And so then we learn to uh, not trust our bodies because of the trauma that we've been through. Mm, and we try powerful. to, like when we think it about things, it's almost like a defense mechanism. It's a way of protecting ourselves and keeping ourselves safe from more harm yeah. or from going through, working through that trauma or having to re-experience it. Yeah. And it's really interesting too, because there are a lot of, you know, um, spiritual type modalities that are geared at actually having you relive trauma. And I've always kind of taken the approach within my work, um, karmic level work. I, I want to help somebody, um, access what those, what those experiences are and not have to relive the pain of that, but to, to take it from a place of like, can we acknowledge, can we have some acceptance around the situation? So it's interesting that you say this, like you'll work with people and you say like, oh, that was trauma. And they're like, oh, well, no. Right. And so the same thing happens within my work. You know, I go into the Akashic records and I have, you know, um, okay, at this point in your life, you experience something and the energetic, I actually can read for that. And I say, okay, the energetic footprint is this. So from the time you were about uh, from the age of seven to eight, you experienced a trauma and the energetic footprint is, um, we'll say, um, self-loathing. Right. And so you'll say that to someone and deliver that as an information you know, kind of a nugget. And uh, I usually within the first second can see that they know what it is, but they're, they're already doing it in their head where they're actually discounting it and, mm -hmm. and trying to negate it. And so I have to mm -hmm. always specify, Hey, just so you know, you know, every, everybody's trauma looks different. And what you, you know, we, we say in society, okay, this is trauma. Um, what you've experienced might not look like that, but that doesn't mean it wasn't trauma because there's an energetic footprint that you've attached to that, which means it has, if I'm able to read for it, it's there. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it wouldn't come up. Right. And so I have to kind of take people down this road of like, Hey, the first thing that comes to your head probably is it your, but your soul knows your soul knows what it was. Right. And whether it was something you came here to experience and find your lesson, or it was something that happened, it doesn't discount the fact that it's sitting there. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about that. So it's interesting that it's like you want to do this uh, response where you're negating it and what then secondarily happens. And I'm able to see this. And I think this is where you're kind of going with it, too, is I see the reaction they have in their body mm -hmm. because their body, their soul knows because they'll remember very quick. But then they'll try. I'll, I'll watch the moment where they try to negate it from their their awareness and their body has a response. So the body is still uh, internalizing that that occurrence of whatever happened. Well, it's so fascinating because I do see it in sessions a lot where people are, for example, very anxious. So they're like fidgeting their leg yeah. or, you know, their hands are staying busy or they're like touching their phone. They're moving around a lot. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, their facial expression changes or eye contact. Yeah. And yeah. so my favorite thing to do in session is bring that to their awareness, like yeah. in the here and now. Where are you going? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. What is happening right now? Are yeah. you feeling this way or what is going on for you? Where are you feeling it? Yep. And uh, I notice some of them can tap into it. Mm. And then if they do, it's like a brief second and then they're off. Back like, in the trigger or. 
Yeah, or they're yeah. like off, you know, with their thoughts again, and yep. they don't allow themselves to sit with it in their body. Because it's uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Or I try to ask them, you know, what, where do you feel this right now? And either they don't understand it, or they're just, it's too, it's too scary to mm-hmm. try to face that. Mm-hmm. And so again, they'll go off on another tangent or keep with the thought that they had before. And so it's just this cover. Cover, yeah. Yeah, of protecting whatever that is that they're experiencing. And what's fascinating about that is, is that when those things come up, if we, if we, instead of uh, going into this place of, you know, okay, this triggered a response within me and now my mind's trying to do this thing where I'm either negating it or kind of somewhat like reliving it because I've been triggered, but in more of an emotional response or I feel it in my body. Um, and, and kind of going into that place where it's, 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 it, it, it actually, I can watch people do it. It's a disconnection. If they stay present and they stay in the moment that actually processes it out. So it's funny that our normal response is actually the opposite of what will help it to move w- completely out. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, and I think, again, that we've talked about in past podcasts, you know, it goes, it goes into this, um, you know, how are we taught to manage our emotions? Because even as adults, right, we're, we have mm-hmm. those same responses where we want to flee that moment. We want to escape that moment. We want to like, you know, oh my God, that I, I feel something. I'm going to run. I'm a, like, I'm a, they used to call me the runner. because I'm great at it right like I will do anything to evade or to to uh, run from my own stuff but the but what's interesting is the opposite response sitting in it feeling it being in it staying present in your moment to it is the exact thing that clears it from the body that clears it from that charge and it's really interesting to, to like that human response of fight or flight yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so again, as we say, always these actionable tools, right? Like the first actionable tool, I think I say this on every podcast, bring awareness to it. Yeah. Like you have to start becoming aware of what are are yeah, you going yeah, into a response? Yeah. Are you going into fight, flight, or freeze? You don't what? even have to define it. Just I'm having a response right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so bringing this awareness to what is happening in your body and using that as your compass and starting there, I can, I wanted to share my experience on this. So I've always used my mind as my guide and sometimes it's just gotten me into a lot of oh my trouble. God. My, like just actually I'm, just more torture than anything. Like I just torture you, myself always, with these thoughts. Were you always like that when you were younger? Cause I was like just painfully in thought process. Yes, absolutely. As a young kid. I'm like, who sits here in their bedroom and thinks this? Well, and I was too scared to share what I was thinking with people because I thought they would think what I was thinking was weird. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just a highly emotional kid. And yes, I was always overthinking. And still to this day, I'm like Empath problems. (laughs) I've actually come to accept that about myself that I am an overthinker. And so now I just notice when I'm doing it and if I'm starting to spiral and I just acknowledge that that's happening, but I no longer attach this, yeah. these feelings or thoughts of beating myself up over it. Cause that yeah. would, that's what would happen. I would think these things and then I would think another thing, then another thing that I would beat myself up because I was thinking it. Why are you like this? Yeah. What's wrong with you? I learned to just redirect that completely. Mm-hmm. So I notice now 
um, just to give you guys a quick tool or tactic if you are an overthinker. Um, I, I learned to redirect that overthought process that would be more self self-reflective and, and like, oh, why did you do that? And or why 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 is this this way? And I redirect my my focus onto something that I actually can make progress on, mm-hmm. which I, I think my I want to say my dad taught me when I was younger. But, you know, just in case you need like a, okay, like I am an overthinker and I overthink all my behaviors and I overthink everything going on in my life and I don't know what choices to make. So then I overthink the choices or redirect yourself into something, use your, your mental capacity because you are so highly capable Mm -hmm. and just direct it to something that you can actually be actionable on, Mm -hmm. you know, because, because what happens if you're directing that focus, that energy to something that, um, is taking you down a road of um, over self-reflecting, you're actually not being productive and you're getting yourself into the stuck place, which will take you away from action. Mm-hmm. And being in action can be, you know, you don't want to be over, that's masculine versus feminine, but you don't want to be over excessive in that that way. Mm-hmm. But taking action does keep you um, present, right? So learning how to just kind of redirect, that has helped me. A hell of a lot because mm-hmm. I learned that luckily at a pretty young age like I don't know what how my and then we'll go back to your story I don't know yeah. how my dad knew to tell me this but I've started using it with my son actually just last night but um he my dad I think my dad could see that my brain was wired the same way like mm-hmm. same way as him and so he would because I would worry and I would self-reflect and I would get into these spirals and so he taught me when I was young this is like I hope my dad listens to this because like I have used this for like all of my life now um he taught me how to speak to my subconscious mind mm. and he would, he would say like, you know, subconscious mind, you don't need to worry about this. Like it's time to, you know, whatever. If I was like, before I was going to sleep, you know, it's time to sleep now. And he used to say, <laughs> which is the, I can't believe I'm saying this on the podcast, but it's cute. He would say, or I'm going to beat you yeah, into applesauce. That's what he would say. I'm going to beat you into applesauce. Yeah. <laughs> Your thoughts? My subconscious mind. Oh, that's so, cute. So, you know I, what though? I feel like our listeners could take this yeah. little tidbit. And so I would talk to my, like as a little kid, I would talk to my subconscious mind because mm-hmm. I was an overcritical, overworrier, overprocessor to everything. And I was deeply anxious and very shy and just painfully, just painful. (laughs) I was painfully painful. Okay. And so this is something that helped me. And then I would direct my energy towards something like my dad taught me like, Hey, if you, if you recall something, um, like if you have a test in the morning, you can actually use your subconscious mind to recall the information to study while you're sleeping. So he'd like taught me, like if I review something, and put my mind to something that is actionable, like studying, Mm -hmm. that I could actually run through that information when I was sleeping. So I could literally learn, I literally learned how to uh, redirect. Uh, Although as an adult, you know, sometimes I kind of do work. I'd be like working with a client when I'm (laughs) sleeping and I'm like, oh, this is what I'm going to do with that. Um, And so like that, you know, that has its own Mm -hmm. things. But um, that was really, really helpful for me because it, it took me out of that overthinking. It's like no subconscious mind. We're not overthinking this right now. We're redirecting. Where can I be actionable and just like shut off that over response? It's fine to process, but it's when it's over processing that it becomes a little problematic. bit de- problematic. Yeah. Detrimental. So, well, yeah. and I am going to get to my story, Yeah, but I wanted to just say, I feel like you and Gwen, 
Mm-hmm. Gwen, my coach. Gwen um, is an amazing human. Gwen is an amazing human. I hope she's listening to this. <laughs> and we're going to bring her on this podcast yeah, oh sometime. God, we have to. She's an amazing soul. But between Gwen and you coming into my life, I feel like I was able, you both, like, okay, so for Gwen, she always reminds me of, but that's not who you are. Yeah. That is not your personality. That is not who you, you are. Because you want to attach your identity to this stuff. Yeah. And so that I need it for years. She had to remind me of that. Mm-hmm. And in return, I found this acceptance of myself, of my imperfections and my strengths. Mm-hmm. And so between that and then, you know, our friendship, I felt like, uh, I still feel like you don't try to change how I'm feeling, but you offer a different perspective. Um, and you don't really like validate me, but you don't invalidate me. It's kind of just holding Holding space space, for me. And sometimes you share your own experiences, but also I feel like between the two of you, I was really able to learn how to not attach all these feelings and extra nonsense thoughts, fluff, I call it all this fluff to this overthinking process. I was able to just acknowledge it for what it was or when it was happening. Yeah. And so going into my story, I would say it was November of 2018, 19? I'm not good with time. Me either. I'm so awful with time, but it was somewhere time in there. Time is like, and, and people say like, oh, time is a construct. And like, I'm on that ship, man. I think it was 2019. I, um, I left a gym that I was at and it was a highly stressful situation of why I left And it was highly emotional. Like it basically poked at all my triggers and it was just, I I couldn't believe I had found myself in this situation. Like I had went out of my way to help somebody and in return it backfired. Mm. And I thought I was being a good friend. I thought I was doing, and I was like, I was being a good friend and I did lack some boundaries. And so it went further than it needed to. But yeah, it backfired. And so I had decided to leave this gym. And I went to a couple other gyms, just drop-ins. And I found myself pushing myself beyond my limits. Um, but I didn't realize in it at the workouts. time. In my workouts. Okay. Yeah, like lifting heavier, trying to keep up with other people at the gym. And I ended up with two pretty significant injuries. So one on Thanksgiving of that year, I had, I could barely get off the couch and I had to host Thanksgiving for my entire family. And then Christmas Eve, I did it again. I went and did this workout and I basically like threw my back out or something. It was spasming. I couldn't get off the couch. I had the tens unit on my back and it was awful. Like the whole day on Christmas, I couldn't even like get on the floor with my children. Mm. And it was a consequence of my behavior, which was coming from my behavior was driven by a trauma response. I was pushing myself beyond my limits. I was trying to prove my worth and prove something to myself. But really, I was holding on to all this emotional baggage. I don't know if I would, I don't know if that's the right word, but this emotional stress. And your body was in my body internalizing it into your body. And I was ignoring it. Yeah. I was ignoring that that all that high, all that, uh, that situation that I had been through, how much emotional turmoil that had put me through. I was minimizing it and ignoring it. Like it wasn't really bothering me. The body keeps the score. And I learned that after the second injury, I 
I think it was like two weeks later, my husband and I went on a vacation and I had, I was on the plane and I was like, okay, like something needs to change. Like I need to use this vacation as something. And I watched this documentary on Netflix called Heal. I think that's what it was called. And they talked all about this. So how you're, when you're not processing trauma, not processing your emotional state and basically ignoring it, your body keeps score. It will hold on to it. And in the documentary, cellular level. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. in the documentary, they were talking about more extreme cases. Like it comes out in different uh, physical conditions, physical health, medical conditions. And so they were talking about some pretty extreme cases, but I, this resonated with me and it hit me like right upside the head. Mm-hmm. It made me realize that is what is happening. I am not processing through this situation and situations that I have been through. You're just storing. It I am just storing it somewhere. and I'm yeah. ignoring it. And instead I'm going harder at the gym. I'm pushing myself beyond my limits. I'm trying to diet this way and do this and and trying to be something for everyone else instead of being that someone for myself. Mm. And in return, my body was like, knock, knock, knock. Hey, I'm here and I'm going to send you a real strong message. And that's not, through you're injury. Not listening. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're not, not listening. listening. So I'm going to I'm going to show you how to listen. <laughs> and I'm going to so, be on the couch um, listening. <laughs> yeah. So I, li- I watched this documentary and I was like, damn. That's all I could say was, damn, like I have been storing all of this and not processing it. And so I used that whole vacation to really step into some meditation. I did some journaling, a ton of self-reflection. And I realized I had not been paying attention to my inner compass. Mm -hmm. I had been trying to think my way through all these situations and trying to prove something, like I said, to everyone else. And everyone had been done with this gym. So basically I created a garage gym and I wanted to hold that space for everyone. I wanted to be that person that we didn't feel we were getting from this other gym. Mm-hmm. And so I put all these expectations on myself, all this responsibility, this pressure. And again, that backfired mm. because I couldn't be this person that I thought they wanted me to be. Really, they just wanted me to be myself, but I... Yeah. Didn't realize that but at the you, time. You attached whatever to it. Mm-hmm. So like they could have been present for you probably in your actual true reality, but you didn't even see it because your narrator was like, they need this from me and I have to be this person. Right. So like over narration, mm-hmm. you were in your experience, but instead of being present in your actual experience, you were in the story of the experience. Absolutely. And I was actually just talking uh, about this the other day to someone I like, you know, I think relationships are very, very strong friendships, relationships, whatever, when you can um, hold space for being in a present moment with another human being. I think there's so much value in, in communities of that and relationships of that. Um, But it's interesting to see what the breakdown becomes when one person is holding that space and the other person is inside the story of whatever their experience is Mm. and it is not able to be present so it's funny because I like literally like this happened to me the other day and I was like where are you like human being who is supposed to be present with me holding space and in your reality with me 
I'm here. Where are you? Right. And so it's like, we do this thing where we're like just narrating, we're narrating and narrating and we're in the story of the situation. We're building it up and we're, Oh, this person's the, uh, what is it? Protagonist. And this person's the antagonist. And this is, you know, as if we're writing a whole fucking book, dude, (laughs) instead of showing up to the party that's happening right now Mm -hmm. and being in it and noticing what's there. And that, so to bring this into the, the ballpark of intuition, when we have these, you know, body responses that are attached to trauma, our body will be feeling that and our intuition for most people is a physical body response. Okay. So when you feel your intuition, which comes from being in the present moment, the power is in the present moment, always your intuition is your way, not of narrating your world, but of saying, let's navigate together in something that feels like alignment and you feel that alignment within your body. And if you want to, you know, take it into the kind of spiritual ish realm, you know, that could be within a chakra. Most people, when I teach Mm -hmm. about this stuff, it is within a chakra. So you will feel in one distinct part of your body. Oh, I, I feel like this is a gut feeling, right? People say that a lot. Okay. That's like your, your solar plexus or your sacral chakra. You feel it a little bit lower or you Mm -hmm. feel it a little bit higher, but you feel your body telling you not in a way like, ow, this is trauma, like a do this. This is the next step, right? That's your intuition, your higher self trying to come forward. And it's a physical body response is how most people first start to tap into it. And I think I said this in one of the other podcasts, like, or actually, I think because um, I was on somebody else's podcast, um, most people, when they feel their intuition for the first time, it's a um, very distinct gut response, like you're driving in your car and something tells you stop at the stoplight right freaking now. And you're like, holy shit, man, my gut just like, t- like jacked me back. You know, mm-hmm. like you feel it. You f- like most people do feel intuition in that way in the first time. But you're in that present moment and something within you says, hey, pay the fuck attention to this right now, right? So most people feel that intuition in a scenario Mm -hmm. like this. And then, oh my gosh, now we see a truck just ran, you know, their light and you would have been in the middle of that. And it, it stopped that. That's like intuition stepping forward for the first time. And it's a physical body response. But if you're constantly living within the trauma body and you're holding on to experiences that have an emotional attachment to them and you're storing them, your availability to listen to your intuition and its response, not as high. Yeah, not my, as question, high. my question is how come so often people ignore their intuition or their gut feeling? Confidence. Lack of confidence and trust in themselves, right? Because the higher, the higher, your higher self um, wants to, wants to navigate you. But if you distrust yourself, and don't have the confidence, where are you going to go? So if you lack the confidence within yourself, which is a very normal thing in the beginning of of experiencing intuition, um, but you also don't have self-trust, it's very hard to listen to that because you're just like, oh, it's like almost like a something that becomes, it's like passive. You're like, oh, that was a thought. But you, you know, you might notice it after the fact, like, oh, I had that thought and that would have been really like accurate for this scenario, but you might still discount it. Like it was nothing. Well, and I think of, okay, so if your intuition is telling you to leave a relationship, like if you got quiet and and I asked you the question, what feels right to you to stay in this relationship 
or to leave this relationship. And I will have clients like answer that, I like what that. the first thing that comes to their mind and negate it two seconds later. Yeah. They'll be yeah. like to leave. Yep. And I'm like, okay, so let's stick with this. But then what happens is their brain turns on yep. and they start thinking of all the factors, you know, well, where am I going to live? What about childcare? What about this? Um, you know, we have these finances, we share a bank account, you know, well, I, you know, I'm going to be alone. or I'm gonna have to move in with my parents. There's all these like, well, what ifs and unknowns and uncertainties and those factors and those thoughts are what stop us from following our intuition. They walk us out of our intuition. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, my, going back to my story, like I, that was the first moment that I really started listening to my body and my intuition and start to trust it. Like it will tell me something. And I decided I didn't want it to get to that point again, mm-hmm. to to have these injuries or basically on the couch, unable to play with my children for me to wake up to something. If I could just wake up to it in a smaller scale and listen to what's happening in my body and, and trust that intuition, then things, uh, things might go a little easier. Yeah. And present moment, like that present moment, the stress, I'm going to put so much stress on that, like being in that present moment Mm -hmm. because everything you're like, I can't even play with my kids because you know, this and this and this and this and like, it's like everything, all your intuition is so readily available to access in that present moment. Like, well, I think that we're also, I mean, I had always felt like it was like me against my body. If that makes sense, you know, and I think a lot of people feel that way Mm -hmm. is that our bodies are against us, you know, whether because you have chronic pain, chronic illness, injury, um, infertility, uh, struggling with weight loss or weight gain, uh, dieting, not dieting, working out, whatever. There's so many different things that we learn to reject our body. Yeah. Societal pressure and societal norms tell us reject your body, change yeah. your body, do this and your to your body's body. your really just trying to be like, hey, love rem- me. Remember me, uh, this person <laughs> who's like storing all this shit for you. Can you process your shit so I can do my job? I'm actually really <laughs> good. My, I'm really good. I'm here for you. I am carrying Stop you rejecting me all the time. Right. If anything, I have the heavier load here. Mm-hmm. Your body is like literally transporting you all the time and you're like, you suck. And you know what? Another exercise I did that really helped me learn to appreciate my body was I did a a freestyle movement class and she had us, it was 20, I think we were going into 2020. So she had us write out how has your body served you in the last decade? Yeah. And it was like, whoa, I just started writing and I couldn't believe it. The things that had come out, you know, being able to work out and do pole dancing, birthing two children, recovering from injuries. The list had just went on and on and on. And I was like, wow. And all I do is spend time rejecting it Mm -hmm. and not trusting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a a very powerful moment. It's like like amazing to think too, like your body is willing to store away all of those things that you don't want to look at, you know, and that, that alone is a job. Right. And whether that ends up acting out in whatever way that it ends up acting out, it's still a job that your body's like, hey, you know, that thing that happened to us that one time, I'm just going to put it over here 
I'm going to let you know it's still there and try and remind you sometimes, but like, I'm going to hold on to this for you until you can work on it. Like, even that's kind of a gift. It's interesting that you're saying that though. Cause I had somebody say this to me the other day. Like, have you ever just talked to your body like out loud and just said like, Hey, like, I love you. Like, I know, you know, I haven't been so good to you sometimes like all of these things. And I was like, Ooh, I didn't do it <laughs> because like, actually it, there's a lot of uh, like, so, so, you know, like sometimes when there's so much validity in something that someone mm-hmm. says, you're like, uh, okay, not doing that. I'm not doing that. And I, but I still plan to, you know, because uh, like really we, we store these things and we like hold on to these things and, um, and then we like tell our body that there's something wrong with it because of its responses. And it's just trying to remind us, you know, it's like, that I don't know it's um I think it's really valid work to release those things in those Mm -hmm. ways and just be like hey body like if you're listening to this and you're like wow I constantly like get sick or you know I constantly feel pain or you know whatever your body is trying to tell you have you ever just tried to talk out loud to your body and like you know I'm really thankful for you you've gotten me around you know I'm sorry I've been tough on you sometimes you know I I appreciate you like all of these things you know, and, and for, for a lot of us, those in that inner commentary around the body has been going on most of our lives. Like Mm -hmm. since we were very, very young, I still remember the first time I got like a migraine when I was a young kid and that happened repetitively Mm -hmm. for a long amount of time. And I remember thinking like, I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. No one knows what to do with me. And I've felt that way ever since, like it never went away. And so like, can you have a conversation with your body and just be like, Hey, you know, like I'm here for you now. I recognize you like it's like when you do inner child work, a lot of times you're stepping forward and you're you're um, you're speaking to your inner child and and saying, hey, like I'm creating a safe space for you. You're safe with me. I got your back. You know, your little version of yourself. Can you do that with your body? Well, and so something I've learned along the way, too, like like tangent stuff, but uh, no, it's definitely relevant. Yeah, is something I've learned is we have our conscious and our unconscious brain. And so, you know, kind of rifting off this inner child stuff, when things happen to us throughout our life, we store those beliefs and things we've heard or emotional pain in the subconscious brain. And so in order to start creating change, we do need to, the conscious mind does need to think, okay, I want to make this change. So I want to stop drinking. But then we need to dive deeper. And basically the unconscious mind, it's a vault. That's how I like to think of it. It's a vault that really a lot of us aren't even aware of, of what have we stored? What's in that vault? And what we need to do, though, is crack it open. We Mm -hmm. need to find the key and begin to unlock it and challenge those beliefs. So if you're choosing not to drink anymore, but you still have all these beliefs around well, drinking's fun. Drinking's a social thing. This is how I interact with people. This is what you do at parties, um, you know, and so on and so forth. If you don't challenge those beliefs or bring those beliefs forward, you will continue to find yourself in this cycle of relapse or trying to get sober and, and whatnot. So what we need to do is bring those forward. Mm-hmm. And what I was going to suggest is don't do this alone. So if this is really residing with you, this whole topic, find yourself a coach. Jen yeah. and I are here. Yeah. But, you know, find someone that you feel like you align with and someone that can really help guide you through this process 
because there's been a, a few things along the way that I went through alone and I wish I would have yeah, had someone I there the same thing. because it probably one would have sped up the process, but two would a lot would have allowed me to hold better space for I was myself. About to say that in that exact way. Really? Yeah. We're tandeming. That was in my, like, I was like literally saying that. We're tandeming. <laughs> we're tandeming. It's yeah. happening. <laughs> but like you try, like holding space for yourself in those transitions and those times of growth it can actually be more so harmful if you try to go at this alone yeah it's not impossible but it can be very harmful and very isolating yeah so Agreed. definitely get yourself a coach or a therapist or someone that you feel can really help walk you through this process i would have paid somebody to tell me that Mm -hmm. <laughs> when I was trying to do it by myself, like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, and there's really... all different ways to do it. You know, there is talk therapy, there's life coaching, there's somatic healing, there's um, EMDR, which is a form of therapy. Mm -hmm. There's hypnosis. There's just, the list goes on, right? There's so many different Cellular ways. There's uh, movement, dance movement, movement yeah. healing. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways. So you have to figure out what way you think will be best for you and fi just find somebody that you feel connected to connected to on a soul level and and let them come forward with some tools and and try to just somebody that you feel like can hold space for you because like like you said if i had somebody that could hold space for the the way that things were going to come out and not had to had to have battled it on my own that would have been a game changer. Mm -hmm. um, it is hard to go into your own vault when you have triggers, when you have that emotional attachment to those experiences and to like, you have to be a fierce warrior that, and then, and then also be willing to completely come apart and be alone doing that. And I don't recommend it. I no. really don't. I, yeah, I can't even, I can't even agree with you like more on that. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's been pivotal in my own experience to have somebody there even if they're not even doing anything even if they're just listening and holding that they know how to hold a container for you which is a gift man if you find somebody that is a coach that knows how to do that you stay with that person because they can that that is a skill that many people do not know how to do and it is a fine art that i think you as a coach cultivate over time how to how to hold a container better for a human being for them to have their process, for them to fully um, release, for them to um, expand upon that to, you know, it, it's, it, that's an art. So look for somebody that you feel like you align with on a soul level and ask yourself, do I feel like this person can hold space for me, can show up for me in a way that there's no judgment, that if I told this person anything, I know that they're not going to go they're, they're, because when you start to go into this subconscious, conscious, all of these, the way that things are interconnected, the first response usually for most people is uh, uh, perceiving that, that something's unsafe because their triggers make them feel unsafe. Their emotions make them feel unsafe. So find someone that you know will make you feel safe in the way you need to feel safe. That's your first step. So just, well, to, just before we wrap things yeah. up, Yes, absolutely. Safety is the number one thing in working through all yes. the things we've talked about today, because the absolutely. reason why we avoid it is because we don't feel safe mm -hmm. in certain environments or certain situations. And so you need to have someone that in an environment that you feel safe in or 
it's going to be more harmful to your process or you're just going to keep running from it. Yeah. Or be a gen and yeah, you'd be a runner. Woo! Yeah. You just run. Just keep But you running. know what the, the, the fun running. thing is, is that um, the universe doesn't let you do that for that long. No. Eventually it catches up with you and you're like, oh my God, I wish I would have done this when I had the opportunity the first time. Yeah. Like <laughs> I have an, a perfect example. A few weeks ago, I received some information. I was like, you know what? I'm going on vacation. I'm just going to leave yeah, this one right here. Side. Put it to the side. Yeah. Well, when I got back home, it was like the second day of being home. It was like, you can run, but you can't hide. Yeah. And it was like, I'm going to find you. And I was like, no, you're not. Go away. And then like later that night, crying it was in like the shower a later. silent cry in the shower. <laughs> and I was like, it won't stop. Why won't it stop coming out? Like, the tears aren't, you're just like, uh-huh. Yeah, like no noise. It's like that hard, silent cry. And I was like, damn, like I tried so hard to run from this. And then it like just kept going for like three days. So... <laughs> So you're really just com- compacting. So don't your- run. Yeah. It's actually just worse. I mean, and that's the thing, like people say, like, you're here to learn your lessons and you're going to learn them one way or another. You know, there is a point where I think a soul is like, you know, they're assigned so much and sometimes maybe in a lifetime that doesn't happen. But, uh, you know, you, you're better off on the first go <laughs> yeah. um, of somebody who is like, so, um, like, you know, I, I'm a very logical person and I can just move things around in my head and it's actually fun for me. It's like mental exercise. I'm, like, I'm just going to put this here. Your filing really... cabinets. Yeah. My filing cabinets, like very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to find myself a secretary. <laughs> so I know you're doing that perfectly yeah. fine on your own. <laughs> like, yeah. Can you label that better? <laughs> just Use some white out on that. Okay, anyways. Sorry, Tangent. No. I don't even remember where I was. Now I'm thinking about secretaries. <laughs> but anyways. Don't so, ask me. Yeah. So I, I have no you know, filing system at all. I, I think it's rather fun and it's a lot, it's a it's a main uh it's a brain exercise for me to kind of just kind of organize things in in certain ways where I don't have to do the work. And I definitely made a really good habit of that for a few years where I was like, you know what, I, I see it and I see it on a logical level and I see it on a mindful level. Like I can look at my things. I know where the wounds are, but I was so reluctant to like actually open up that uh, folder and look at it and really feel it. I would, I would be so, so, so good at, it was like basically running without somebody seeing you run away. It was like, I'm in plain sight and I've camouflaged myself and I'm doing it really, really well. But I was not looking at what was in each folder. I was just stacking it, filing it, saying, I know that that's there. I'm aware of it. So that's enough. And it wasn't. It's not enough. You have to be willing to go in Mm -hmm. because that's when the healing takes place. It's not in, I see this. I see this on a conscious level. I see this on a mindful level and I'm just going to let it be there. That's different than sitting with it in a mindful way where you're present in the moment and looking at it. Two totally different things. Don't try to convince yourself because don't pull a gen. That's all I'm trying to say. It will catch up to you at some point and then you'll be like silent crying in the shower. Also, I think we should change the name of this podcast from tandem orgasms to tangent orgasms tangent yeah <laughs> well people are confused they think that we're gonna talk about orgasms i think we should well we will i want to talk we about definitely that. i like will. them yeah i mean who doesn't <laughs> um on another really random note talking about overthinking and like yeah. putting a narration with our thoughts i just had a really tangential thought in my head <laughs> 
I thought, I'm hungry. And then I thought, what could I have to eat? And I'm like, okay, what did we eat for dinner last night? Oh, I can have leftovers. But what vegetable am I going to have? Oh, my God, I left my vegetables in the oven last night. I put them back in because they weren't cooked enough. And I left that whole tray, I'm pretty sure. I left that whole tray of vegetables in my oven. I think you should still eat it. I don't know (laughs) if that's healthy. Well, I guess there's no dairy in it. What is it, potato? Broccoli and carrots? Seems okay. Coming from the girl that drinks multi coffee. <laughs> like, it's me. I'm Wait, you guys it. will have to let us know if yeah. that's acceptable. Somebody reach out, please. Hopefully I- by the time <laughs> you're going to eat it. And I'm then like, you're gonna damn, find out that's so upsetting. The carrots were not cooked enough, so I put them back in and turned off They're the oven. They're probably really good now, honestly. Carrots seem fine because you can leave them on the counter. Yeah. Broccoli feels awkward. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's mushy. Well, if I reheat it. Yeah, it's probably fine. Did it grow bacteria? Well, everything grows bacteria. And we still eat it? Yeah. Oh my gosh, all the time. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You're fine. Maybe I'll go eat my microwave and just kill everything. 24 hour old broccoli and carrots. I think it sounds good. It sounds good. Don't let it go to waste. If somebody knows if chickens can have seasonings, reach out. Otherwise, you chicken fans. Otherwise, Otherwise, we'll see you in the next episode. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes. Don't forget to follow us at Jen underscore Morgan and Caitlin dot Englert dot coaching for updates. If you love this episode, take a screenshot and share to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Until next time, have fun and don't forget to pleasure yourself.